know, it's interesting. I think God has a very special message for us here on Father's Day on, on the contributions that I think us as men make spiritually and physically into people's lives. And it's interesting because I was kind of looking at some different information and I found some sobering observations while I was looking at the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, there's 331 million Amer people in the United States. So there's 331 million people in the United States. However, there is 17.4 million fatherless children in the United States. Now think about that. And for some of you, you may be hearing these huge numbers, 331 million, 17.4 million. And it's these big numbers, you know, unless you're a statistician or you really like math, which I'm not either one of them. You know, and I was kind of thinking, how can we really put this into a perspective of what these numbers really represent. So we know there's 331 million people, 17.4 million children living in fatherless households. So I got thinking, what are some numbers that we should be familiar with that we've looked at for a while now? And I thought, huh, COVID-19 numbers. Boy, we've seen them a lot over the last year, haven't we? So, you know, it's interesting because when I looked it up of the 30. 331 million people in the U.S., as of yesterday, 33.5 million people had COVID. Okay, so that's a nice number. We can kind of see it. But what's interesting is I was looking back, because we all remember the phrase, flatten the curve, right? From back in 2020, around March of 2020. Well, I went back and I actually found a news article from March 19th, 2020, that said more than 14,200 people have now tested positive in the U.S. and at least 187 people have died. Experts warn those numbers will continue to spike as more people are tested. So this was 14,200 people. At the same time this article was written, California was shut down. They got a stay-at-home order. House Republicans started looking at bills to release to give relief to the American people. And it's when we started to hear flatten the curve. 14,200 cases of COVID. There are 17.4 million fatherless children in the United States. Now, I'm not saying fatherlessness is a disease, but if it was, fatherlessness would be a pandemic of monumental proportions. It would be huge. We would shut down the entire U.S. until we found a cure for fatherlessness. And it's a number we just glaze past. We don't think about it. Think about that within your head. We shut down a whole U.S. for 14,000 cases of COVID. And we're not doing anything about the 17.4 million children that are fatherless. And I wanted to tell you that before I get to some next stats that I found. Children of fatherless homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. And when we say poor, we're talking poverty. Children in fatherless homes have a dramatically higher risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Children in fatherless homes also have a 40% more chance of higher of being emotionally or having behavioral problems, which kind of tells you arguably that the statistics show that most fatherless children are twice as likely to commit suicide, 
in their lifetime. If fatherlessness was a disease, it would be a pandemic. It would be a pandemic that would just shut down everything. But we gloss it over and we look past it. So I want to say to the men of you joining us here in this room, to the men joining us online, whether you're watching live or you're watching this as a video later, I want to let you know you're part of the solution. You're part of the solution because you're sitting here and you're listening. You're listening and you're a part of the solution to change fatherlessness in our society. And you know, maybe you're just kicking the tires on this Jesus stuff and you're really not sure. Well, that's okay. At least you're here and you're listening. So if you're here and you're listening or you're online and you're watching and you're listening, you're still part of the solution. Even if you're still just kicking the tires with this whole Jesus thing. So today we're going to talk a little bit about more about this, but today is for us. It's for the men in the house. <sighs> Give me a grunt. <sighs> it's for the men in the house. <laughs> and we're going to talk about lasting legacy. And if you notice, this is actually part two of lasting legacy. And you're probably saying, Pastor, when was part one? Did I miss it? Was I not here? Was I playing golf that week? No. You got it. Part one was actually on Mother's Day. Mother's Day, we talked about lasting legacy. So we have the same exact sermon title, and it should sound familiar, but it's different. We're going to have a different message. Now, because, you know, crazy as it believes men, men and women are made differently. I know we may not believe that all the time, but we are made differently. And, and as much as it's hard to believe, you know, both mothers and fathers have a part that they contribute to the family. And back on Mother's Day, I actually said, mothers are the glue that hold a family together. But fathers, fathers are responsible for the way a family goes. So today we're going to be looking at one of the spiritual fathers or one of the, I would say, a spiritual father of Israel. So we're going to be in Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to pull a Bible out. If you want to use a smartphone, tablet, whatever you want to do, there's a Bible in the back of the pew in front of you. Go ahead, Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And it says, After the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, chose 12 men from the people, one man of each tribe, and commanded them, Take 12 stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests are standing, carry them with you and set them down at a place where you spend the night. So Joshua summoned the 12 men he had selected from the Israelites, one man of each tribe. And he said to them, go across to the ark of the Lord, your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift up a stone onto his shoulder, one on each of the uh, one for each of the Israelite tribes. So that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them. The water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. When it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. The Israelites did just as Joshua had commanded them. The 12 men took stones from the middle of the Jordan, one for each of the Israelite tribes, just as the Lord had told Joshua. 
They carried them to the camp and set them down there. Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan where the priests were carried, uh, who carried the Ark of the Covenant were standing. The stones are still there today. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word this morning, Lord, may you open up our eyes to see what it is that you want us to see. Open our hearts that we may receive your word and may my words glorify you as we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So we see that day God did a miracle. God did a miracle for the children of Israel. And I think it's interesting that God gave this really interesting command. You know, he told them, he instructed them to go to the middle of the Jordan and pick up 12 stones and then take them and set them as a memorial. Now, this was at the Jordan. How come he didn't do that at the Red Sea? Because remember, he parted the Red Sea the same way and all Israel got through the Exodus. But he didn't ask them to set one up there. Now, granted, they probably did set up some type of altar to the Lord at that point. But here the Lord tells them to take 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan. And I just think it's interesting, you know, he wants them to remember this miracle. And he wanted the world to know about these stones. Not just the people who experienced the miracle. He wanted people in the future to understand, look at this miracle that God had done during this time. And you think about those who experienced that crossing, they knew exactly what God was doing and had done in their life. But if they never told it to anyone else, it would have died right there. The story would have ended. But God wanted them to experience it and wanted them to move forward. Now, it's interesting in chapter 3, right before this, and a lot of you guys know this story. Joshua, you know, Moses is now gone. Joshua is leading the nation of Israel. They're going to cross the Jordan and start to take over the promised land. So prior to this, you know, Joshua tells them, hey, you need to consecrate yourself. In three days, we're going to cross the Jordan. And they're getting prepared for it. And there's a little nugget inside there that I think is interesting. It tells us that the Jordan River was at flood stage. It tells us the Jordan River was at flood, flood stage, so it was springtime during the time that they were going to be crossing the Jordan. Now, if you've ever been there geographically where they were actually crossing over the Jordan, is not a place where we would typically think of crossing. You know, during different times of the year and during different seasons as the Jordan runs all down through the, through the area over there, there are actually places in the Jordan that are kind of like a creek you can walk right across. But here they're going across an area that's at flood stage. It's at flood stage. The waters are growing up. You know, so it kind of shows that this place is not someplace that you would normally go. And it took a miracle of God for them to be able to go and get into the promised land. And, you know, it's interesting because you look at it and Joshua basically calls these 12 men that he, that he had selected previously in the previous verses and he tells them, go across to the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you lift up a stone onto his shoulder, one, of, one for each of the tribes, so that this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean to you? You should tell them the water of the Jordan was cut off in front of the ark of the Lord's covenant. Um, when it crossed the Jordan, the Jordan's water was cut off. Therefore, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. Understand, this is a place where these stones were taken from. You're never going to get there. 
you're not going to be able to get back to that place. It's a thick, big part of the Jordan River. Now, you know, in today's time, yeah, we could probably get some scuba gear and we could probably go down there and get it. But think back in biblical times. There's no way someone could say, I got these stones out of the middle of that Jordan right there at flood stage. It would only be by a miracle of God that they were able to do that. And Joshua, you think about it many times, we all know Joshua 1 in, in chapters 1 and 2, Joshua's told, be strong and courageous. You know, we've all, some people use that as their life verse. Be very strong and courageous. You know, Joshua was told these things because here is a time right now where Joshua had to be strong and he had to be courageous to lead these people across the Jordan River. And think about it, this may have been part of the easiest part of his entire conquest. Okay, the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant's going to go out. It, as soon as the priests touch, the waters are going to stop flowing. And everyone's going to cross. That's pretty easy compared to march around Jericho for seven days. Sound the trumpets and the walls will fall. Sitting there going, really, God? Yeah, and just like this, you think about it, There are probably some people sitting back looking at the Jordan River going, ain't going to work. You know, we all have them people wherever we're at. You start looking, well, I think... I, there's a better way to do this than the way you're doing it. Well, that's not the way we've done it. You know, we've always crossed the Jordan down here. Why don't we go down here? But this is where God's telling us to go. And we got to be obedient. So this, like I said, this is probably one of the easiest things for um, Joshua to be able to do. And you think about it, think about it, this lasting legacy. Think of these men who carry these stones, these 12 stones, Imagine them going in, and all of a sudden their kids come up. Hey, Daddy, what are these stones for? And that first dad gets to say, well, you know what? I picked this stone up out of the Jordan. It was in the middle of the Jordan, and it was at flood stage. Imagine the kids. Wow. Wow. And now guess what? Now they're going to tell their kids, hey, you know what? Your grandfather picked this stone up out of the Jordan. During flood stage, wow, my grandfather did that. And then they're going to tell their grandkids, your great, great grandfather, and so on and so on and so on. Creating this lasting legacy that goes on and on. And Joshua being the spiritual dad leading Israel inspired this faith in generations to come. You know, because fathers, we do inspire the faith of the next generation. Now, I don't know if you guys know it or not, but this Joshua, he's been dead for quite a while. He, he's been dead, just in case you didn't know, Joshua's been gone for a while. But you notice we're till, we still tell the story. We still talk about it. The Bible documents the story. So it's continuing to go on, and we continue to read it, and we continue to tell about it. That's a lasting legacy. That's what a lasting legacy is all about, that it continues to be told time and time again. So, man, I got a question. What type of story am I going to be able to tell about you or someone like me be able to tell about you? Someday me or someone like me will be standing up here at your celebration of life, at your funeral service. And your family and friends will be gathered around. What will I or another pastor 
have to say about you? What type of lasting legacy are you leaving? What type of stories are we going to be able to tell about what you did? What kind of faith are we going to be able to tell people that you had to continue a lasting legacy for you and for your family? What will your friends and family say about you? Some of us may not want to think about what they may say about us. It's the fathers who inspire the faith of the next generation. Are you inspiring the faith of the next generation? God has called every born-again believer to a place of spiritual leadership. We've been called to be leaders. So I got two questions for you. Men in the house, what kind of difference are you making? What kind of difference are you making in your home, in your community? Are you making a difference? Are you setting a legacy that people are going to tell on and on after you're gone? What kind of impact are you making as you continue to breathe God's air? Because it's God's, it's not ours. What kind of impact are you making? 17.4 million fatherless children. There's some dads who ain't doing nothing. There's dads who are not stepping up into the lives of their children. But we're the answer to that. We have the ability to change part of that. Now, we can't affect all 17.4 million, but each one of us, I guarantee, can affect at least one. At least one fatherless child or maybe a couple fatherless children. Whether it be our, some of us, it could be your own grandkids are fatherless. Could be great grandkids that are fatherless because the father figure is not there. Are you willing to step in that gap and be that spiritual father in someone else's life? What kind of difference are you making in your home? Could it be instead of proclaiming God's truth and planting stones of remembrance that you're pointing more towards athletics or academics or maybe entertainment? None of them are bad things, but leaving a legacy, it means passing on something of value and worth. You know, athletics isn't a bad thing. Academics, entertainment, they can be enjoyable and at times they can be noble. But let us never forget there's more important realities to leave our children with. There's more important realities than academics, athletics, and entertainment. And may each of us leave a stone, a monument of God's goodness in our lives onto those that we come in contact with, into the next generation. And think about it that you know, each of you got a stone when you came in. Everyone got to pick their stone out. I got a heart-shaped one. So you think about this, you got a stone, and what I'd encourage each of you to do is put that stone someplace where someone's going to ask you a question about it. If you work, put it on your desk. Gorilla glue it to the inside your pickup truck. So when someone comes in, hey, what's that stone for? You can tell them about the goodness of God in your life. 
the goodness of God in your life. Put it at a place where people are going to know, hey, when they ask that question, what is this for? Let me tell you about the nation of Israel when they crossed the Jordan. Let me tell you about what God has done in my life. And maybe just like them kids who, when the father said, I got that stone out of the Jordan, and went, wow. Maybe you can get someone to wow with your life. And be amazed. Wait a minute. You mean you used to do it? Yeah, I was right there with you. And then I met Jesus and he did this. Wow. What kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of impact are you having in the world around you? You see, many of us, when we, we think about it as men, where do we create our legacy? At our jobs. We create lasting legacy at our jobs and not necessarily at our homes because we're more worried about our status quo at work than we are about our status quo at home. Oh, they'll understand because I've been working. And it's great to leave a legacy at your job, but it means more to leave a legacy within your home. To give that foundation for your children to come up on and continue to move forward with. Chris Papalardo actually put this in Christianity Today, this quote. Perhaps the best way for fathers to lead their home spiritually is to embrace the work of the home, uh, is to embrace the work of the home rather than build an identity outside it. Let me say that again. Perhaps the best way for fathers to lead their home spiritually is to embrace the work of the home rather than build an identity outside of it. You see, too often we try and build that identity outside of our home. We try and be someone outside of our home that we're not inside of our homes. And I want to challenge you, dads. I want to challenge you to be the leaders who leave a legacy inside your homes. Be a leader that leaves a legacy wherever you're at, whether it's in your community, inside your home. Leave a legacy. Think about Genesis 5. One of the first godly fathers we see, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Enoch walked faithfully with God. I want my kids to say, Ken walked faithfully with God. He did what God called him to do, and he walked faithfully with God and passed that on to the next generations. So as we lead our families in our home, as we we lead on our jobs, we lead our personal lives, may each of us take them daily faithful steps to walk with the Lord. Walk with God and do what he called you to do, leaving that legacy that he calls you to leave. Children of Israel were able to cross the Jordan River only because they obeyed and listened to God. It's the only way they could cross it. It didn't make sense but they were obedient to what God calls them to do. And a lot of times when God calls us to do things, it may not, this just don't make sense, but we need to be obedient to what God calls us to do because God's always going to show up and show off if we're obedient to his call. God's way is the right way in everything that we do. You know, and it's only after that the Israelites followed the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the Old Testament, the presence of God, that they were able to see this miracle and cross over the Jordan. We're lucky. 
We have the entire canon at our disposal. We don't have to wait on a prophet to come and tell us. We don't have to wait for an inspired word. Man, all we got to do is pick this up and read it. Pick it up and read it. Everything we need to know, basic information before leaving earth, Bible, basic information before leaving earth. This gives us the answers to what we need to do in life. We are able to have a conversation with God every day. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can talk with God. We can talk with our Heavenly Father about any situation we're going through. We need to be the men God calls us to be. Even teenagers, if you happen to be watching online, you know, think about what someone younger than you looks up to you. I remember back when I was a teenager, it was a long time ago. A long, long time ago. But I remember people looking up to me. I remember in my 20s, people in their teens looking up to me. You know, if you're a father, do your kids look up to you to leave a lasting legacy? To be that spiritual and physical father in their life? And maybe as a single person, are there people in your neighborhood or next door neighbors or kids that look up to you? And maybe you don't see it. What about grandkids? You may have grandkids that look up to you. You may have nieces and nephews that look up to you. They don't have to be your biological kids for them to look up to you. We can be spiritual fathers for everyone. We can be adopted fathers for everyone. We can just be, hey, that's my adopted daddy. That's my adopted daddy. <laughs> Liz calls me her dad. Praise God. So me and John are her daddy. <laughs> if someone's looking up to you, and, and this actually goes for everyone in the room. There are people who look up to you. There are people who are watching what you're doing. Are you feeding them a lasting legacy? Are you feeding them spiritually to be able to go on with their lives and be able to tell, showing them what God has done in your life, or are you being like the world and going with the culture? We're called to be different. We're called to be obedient to what God calls us to do. You know, one of the things I can't wait for is as we start, to, you know, we're getting more and more things up and running. I can't wait to get the men's ministry back up and running. And believe it or not, there's a couple reasons. One is so us men can just come together and dig into God's word and talk about what authentic manhood is really like. But the other thing I'm really looking forward to is a men's breakfast. And the reason I'm looking forward to, not because I'm fat, but I'm looking forward to the men's breakfast because I've heard about my brother's famous French toast. I've heard a lot about it and that it's supposed to be famous, but I haven't had it yet. Yep, so we're going to have to put him through the test and have him make us some French toast for a men's breakfast. Anyone can cook bacon. I want my brother's French toast. <laughs> but I really look forward to the day that we can get that back up and running, getting the women's ministry back up and running where the women can come together and talk about that lasting legacy.
Yeah, well, we're able to come together as a church, opening up ministries and being able to look at how we're going to affect change and how we can affect the 17.4 million fatherless children. We got to do our part. We got to do our part to affect change out there. We don't let the culture change us. We change the culture. And right now the culture screams louder than we do. We need to be obedient. We need to take them steps that we're called to take and be changed and make changes in the culture. And for the men, I encourage you to become the men that the Bible calls us to be. Not only in our homes, not only in our communities, but especially in our churches. Because a lot of men aren't stepping up in church. And we need to be the spiritual leaders in the home, in the community, and inside our churches. So I encourage you to keep up the work and continue leaving a lasting legacy. And if you're not leaving a lasting legacy, begin working on it. Begin, it's just a walk. What's a couple of steps? Begin them steps to move forward because there are people who look up to you and they may not call you their biological dad, but you may be the only dad they ever knew. Make a difference in their life. Put the stone someplace where you can be a mark that someone's going to ask, hey, what is that? Let me tell you about the goodness of God. Let me tell you about what God's done in my life. Put it in a place where people are going to ask you what it is so that you can tell them what it is and tell them what God has done in your life. You know, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, Pastor Ken, that's all good, but I've messed up as a dad. That's okay. We're all messed up. We're all jacked up, but every one of us is loved. It starts with a simple step. Take the step into doing what's right. Maybe that step is taking that step and accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Or maybe it's taking that step of recommitting yourself because you've been playing Christian for a while. You've wore this mask coming into church, acting like holy brother than thou. But when you leave, you're just like what's going on in the world. And maybe you need to recommit. And maybe you just need to come up and say, Lord, my heavenly father, I have failed as an earthly father. Steer me on the right trap track. And just come up and give it to God. I know what it's like to have a earthly father that failed. The first time my dad and I threw a football back together, I was 20 years old. Him and my mom got divorced when I was young. My mom raised four of us. And like I said on Mother's Day, my mom was strong. I wasn't raised with the father, and I said, I'm going to break them chains and always be a part of my kids' lives. And said, I'm going to leave a lasting legacy with my kids, not like my father left with me. Because I never knew my earthly father. I had a lot of spiritual daddies growing up. I had an uncle that I called was more of a dad to me than anybody. He wasn't my biological dad. Each of us have people in our lives that were not their biological dad. 
Be the dad they call you to be. Be the dad. Be the man that God calls you to be. And if you're not, come up here and give it to them. And when you walk out there today, be the man God called you to be. And like I say, if you haven't accepted Christ, God's word says we all fail and we all fall short. So if you're waiting to get it right, you're never going to get it right. So you might as well come on up here today and make it right. God's word says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you haven't made that step, come and make it. Or just come up here and leave it at the altar so that you can seek that lasting legacy that God calls you to leave. Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you that we will be a congregation that leaves a lasting legacy, both men and women, for the next generations. Lord, the first people who planned this church, planned this church so that people would know you. May that be the legacy that we continue. That we seek people out who don't know you to know you. And that we will show them who you are and explain to them what you you've done in our lives and that we will be obedient to that call on our life that we will go and make disciples Lord in all nations that we will speak your truth to anyone we come in contact with because that is the lasting legacy of this church that the founders set this community need to know Jesus and that's why this church came here Lord this community still needs to know you and may we be the people who show them that you use us as a vessel. Speak to us and through us on a daily basis. And may you be glorified through it all. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.